Guess what is week 10 of Ice the Kicker podcast. So happy you could join us for another epic podcast talking about the thing that we love. My name is Tom Deacon and to my left I have Charlie Hawkins. We are massive NFL fans and this is what this podcast is all about. We didn't think we'd make it to 10 podcasts, did we Charlie? It's a milestone. 10 podcasts. Who would have thought it? Who would have funked it all those 10 weeks ago (laughs) when we said we want to make a podcast that is basically all about our love of NFL, trying to build a wider community of other people who, hey, might be new to the NFL or might be old guard fans, but we try and incorporate, talk about all the big things that are going on and we share share not too much love to one team do we oh no we spread the love around it's important that everyone's voice is heard and you say to me i don't want to hear about the 49ers i know you love them tom but stop talking about them and i i I have to really hold myself back every single podcast but i do all right don't i you do you've you've reined it in well so far just to say though 10 weeks you deserve a shout out for putting up with me for 10 weeks because not many people can do this my friend hey 10 weeks exactly the same uh i'll take it thanks um now listen charlie we must talk about the things about the podcast at the beginning of the show because um some people and you know who they we know we're not going to name names but they listen for about maybe half of the podcast guys listen the good stuff comes at the end we throw forward to week 10 where we look forward to some of the matches that are coming up First part of the podcast, we really talk about the news that's going on. And in about the middle, we talk about big news stories. And we also throw back to some of the big games that happened at the weekend from our fan perspective. So lots going on in the podcast. Plus, there's a cheeky quiz. And I have to say, from last week's podcast, Charlie, Cincinnati, apparently, that is correct. Um, you get you dug me out on this podcast. Apparently, some people do call it Cincinnati. Yeah, I have a, a good friend of mine. His wife's from Cincinnati. Apparently, it is pronounced Cincinnati, although this is still up in the air for me, but uh, we can discuss this a little bit more later. But it sounds like a lot coming up on the playbook, the play sheet. There's a lot to discuss. Okay, look, I'm uh, putting it above and over my lips so you can't uh, read my lips <laughs> on this one, just like in the NFL. It's amazing. Watch out for it. Um, so listen, let's start with the news. Um, lots going on. Um, obviously, we really re- we released the podcast on a Tuesday, and therefore we missed a couple of the trades that happened uh where do you want to start with with those big trades maybe golden Tate going to the philly eagles current super bowl champs uh they've lined up got another weapon on offense i'd say that was more of a loss for the lions they don't have that threat now with golden Tate. um yeah it depends what way you look at i think they do have that threat they have a uh, kenny golliday and marvin jones they they actually had a a, a devastating trio they 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 could spread the ball about really well Stafford as they do it's the rushing that's kind of letting them down up until this season but I just talking about the Eagles side of the trade I just love how aggressive they are I think it's uh, Howie Roseman he's just they're in everything they know about everything they're trading for players free agency draft and when you've got a we talk about it here on the pod a, a win now mode they're not necessarily in win now mode where Carson's he's on a this lower contract, but they've gone big in other areas and they're mm. desperate to give that team as much as they can to, to run forward. And uh, I really like that move, move to for him to play alongside Alshon Jeffrey. It just frees one of them up a little bit more. And especially now that their rushing has gone down with Jay Ajayi going down. So it's going to be interesting. And he's had that bye week with the Eagles yeah. to sort of acclimatise to their playbook more. Yeah, because we saw other trades where they didn't have that time to uh, acclimatise, like the likes of Haha Clinton Dix. <laughs> I've said it right this time uh, he went straight to the Redskins and um, he had to learn the play very quickly didn't he um, Terrell Pryor as well going to the Bills he got picked up so that was another trade what did you make of the time Montgomery because on this podcast you didn't dig him out but we discussed everything that happened in that previous match uh, for Green Bay against the Rams and uh, 
he's now been shown the door. That, that's that's good management, in my opinion. If they've got a player that doesn't want to play or there's some issues, mm. there's the door, my good friend. Yeah, it's interesting with this trade because I think we, when you look from the outside, you see he had that bad uh, fumble in the Rams game. He, he went against management. He's been traded. So people are like, oh, he's annoyed them at the, the very top level. He's out. But I think there's more to it than meets the eye with this. He was in a contract year. I don't think we would have renewed his contract. Aaron Jones had kind of replaced him in the running game. He he was ineffective in the passing game. Was he going to get a deal? No. So get a pick for him. And I think with the fumble, it added to it. And let's just get something rather than lose him for nothing. Yeah. But Seventh wh- round. The, you, you- exactly. And I think that the fumble, what that did play into was instead of maybe a fifth round pick, it's a seventh. Got you. That's interesting. And, but, you know, I, I think there, there are lots of stories in the NFL where it doesn't work out for one team. You've got a bit of a chip on your shoulder uh, and then you go to another team and then all the best for him with the Ravens. Um, he'll be alongside uh, Collins and uh, and Allen uh, as, as they're running back me or, and behind Lamar Jackson by the looks of things as well. Yeah, we, no. we should definitely talk about that, come to that uh, in a second. Um, any other things that were going on? There was an interesting talk with uh, Blake Bortles, quarterback at the Jaguars the Jaguars went sniffing around for other quarterbacks that's how you phrased it to me who were they looking at well well this is it this is interesting because you know it's we we consume ourselves with all the trades that happen on trade deadline day but I find it just as interesting because yeah we know about the ones that went through but what about the ones that nearly Ooh. went through and we never ran at the front office won't reveal and then we hear these whispers and rumors and we never know how how strong they were and some someone's blown it up I say someone me and you but <laughs> but apparently the Jags were sniffing around the QB apparently Nick Foles at the Eagles and to come in and just because what they need they know the Jags they play defense they but they need that quarterback just to ride it out when the defense is winning them games not to turn the ball over pick up the points and win those games that way like the grand and pan game in the running we've seen Nick Foles come in and so that was interesting but my thing is was that because we've heard at the minute Blake's carrying um, an injury was it to do with that or because you know Blake maybe the Jags have finally seen enough and that he's not their man and so that was I think that was more interesting from that standpoint for me yeah as, as fans of the NFL when you look at a team and what weapons they have and you start in your own head start piecing together we need this player or we need this one or we don't need this guy get rid of uh, Blake Bortles out of contract and you start being your own manager uh, of the team so it would be interesting but the Eagles have got no desire with Carson Wentz is back from his knee injury but you've got a Super Bowl winning uh, quarterback on your bench um if Nick Foles is happy to sit on the bench he, then then he'll be happy he doesn't need to go and prove himself he's got a he's got a ring on his on his on his hand from winning a Super Bowl hasn't he I see the Eagles why um I can understand why they keep him on the bench because you should have that insurance especially when your star quarterback uh, is coming back from horrific injury but He's in his last year of contract as well. And I believe that, especially after last year, Nick Foles will want to start next year. And he, he will want to get signed. paid. He's going to get paid. Well, the Eagles bumped him up this year to say, look, we know that you're uh, like second quarterback, but we're going we're gonna to bump you up in money. We realise what you've done for us and that you're staying this year. Yeah. And I think it's not necessarily with the money with Nick Foles. I think, I think he just wants to play. And uh, it's because he's won it now. And I just really think he wants to play a game. So next year, we'll definitely see him somewhere else. So if you want Nick Foles in your team, you're going to have to pay big for him, as you saw with like Case Keenum at Broncos. You know, in big in not terms of elite quarterback or a franchise quarterback, but enough money. Starting quarterback money. Starting quarterback money. Um, all right. So um, other things that are going on, we have to discuss it contractually uh, with this uh, uh, podcast. Le'Veon Bell, uh, what's the situation with him? We've talked about it pretty much every single podcast. The Steelers don't, Need him. They don't need him. He needs his own jingle. A bell. (laughs) It's bell time. (laughs) We have to talk about Bell on the show. We do. Uh, But but in terms of 
what's going on there? He's not, he's not been picked up. He can't be picked up. He's just... Well, this is the week that he has to report by November the 13th. So we're currently... On the 6th. Yeah, so we're a week away. Uh, quick maths. Um, yeah, so he has to report. Otherwise, he, he, he can't... Um, be traded next year or he doesn't get the rest of his year's money so and and he wants to become a free agent but what's interesting about this is i'm not quite sure of the like the pure ins and outs of it but if he doesn't turn up or he doesn't go the pittsburgh steelers can transition tag him again next year but i don't see why they would do it when he hasn't come this year and he doesn't want to play on a tag i feel they they'll surely want to get rid of him but you know it's so would, playing. Would, would they try and make sure? Because um, you've got to think. Isn't I always see the NFL as one big giant chess game of pieces mm. being moved. Do you think the Steelers will now be saying, "Look, we don't want him to go to uh, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Browns. We don't want him to go into anyone that can affect our our schedule for for 2019." Th- that's what they try and do: is hold out as long as possible. Saw it with Jimmy Garoppolo at the Patriots. Uh, Belichick was like, "I don't want him." anywhere on the AFC. I want him in an NFC, so I don't have to face him that much. If, if, so they might try to be doing that, would, would you think? That would be the next tactic. If you don't want him... I don't think they've even got that far with it. I think well, once he's hit free agency, he can sign with who he wants. He can sign. He could sign with the Ravens if he wants. But if you can control that as much as possible so that an NFC team, and they go, yeah, okay, you can have him. Yeah, but how can they control that at the minute? They can't. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not even turning up and he can't be traded. So he has. To, he can only play for the Steelers this year. So, um, and it, then he's out, he's out of their control. The yeah. only thing why he's playing like a soap opera is just because Le'Veon Bell, he, he, I think he's in on it. He's almost like he's trolling us. He's tweeted by Miami, which is his uh, off-season home, where he stays. Obviously, he's in Pittsburgh in the season. And uh, now he's saying that he's leaving Miami. Where's he leaving? Is he going to Pittsburgh or not? So it's kind of playing out. It's like episode after episode, drama, climaxes, next it. time on Le'Veon Bell drama. But uh, I'm enjoying it. Okay. Uh, Sam Bradford been released as well. Um, didn't work out for him at the cards. Um, but hey, you know, he, I, I thought it fascinating. I was like, is he going to get paid? And you were like, no, no, he's, he gets paid for what he's played now. And then they've cut that contract because it was a year. If the Jags really need a quarterback, you could you could see someone uh, the quality that Bradford has. It didn't quite work out with the cards, but they could pick him up for a small small fee. So that there are options there for teams that need. Yeah, they could pick him up to the veteran minimum, and he would for me would be someone that they should be aiming towards because he's that style of play. Just keep handing it off, hide for net. Great defensive line, great defensive line protection. We've got the defense here. This is going to win us the championship. We just need someone yeah. who could you know, move those chains, maybe more so than Blake. Bradford's had a good career and he's definitely had a good career at earning money. Well, listen, in the AFC South, uh, we will talk about the uh, the divisions. Um, Jags are currently three and five, lost four on the trot. They are playing back in week 10. They've just come off their bye week. Um, one other thing, there's two other things. There was another uh, uh, coaching firing for the Lions, the special teams. Um, Joe Marciano. Um, it just sounds like it's just too. It's too good not to to pronounce his name like that. Uh, they've You're got basically of, saying he's auditioning for the next Rocky Balboa film. That, and I think Creed is going to be great. Um, <laughs> what do you think of the Lions making whole far sales there? They're getting rid of a, another coach. It's not quite working out for the Lions this year. Well, it's funny because they got the new coach uh, Matt Patricia from the Patriots defensive background. He was the defensive coordinator, so come in, shore it up, and and they kept the offensive coordinator in place uh you know keep 
keep Stafford's continuity. Let's, he, we know he can throw. We know he can get his points. I'm going to win a seat on defense. But the defense are playing good. Stafford just cannot move those chains, cannot get anything up. He's been he's been a fantasy bust. He's not been great this year. And it's, it's really surprising because I'm a fan of Stafford. So uh, um, then it take a, 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 you, you, you finally get a running back game because it was like, I don't know how many years it had been that the Lions hadn't had a running back that got over 100 yards. So Johnson finally did that. Then you've got a situation, you get rid of one threat of his. You're not helping out the quarterback. And then this week got sacked 10 times. Uh, that That's too much. You can't be having that. And a lot of Lions fans I saw online were sort of saying that he's, he's had a hard time, Stafford. He's got so much talent, but hasn't always been given the 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 best support do you know what I mean mm. and and as we always say I mean it matters so much about we can always have this outside view and look but it matters so much on all the other pieces the offensive line the weapons the protection the the scheme the plays they're running there's so there's so many facets that go into it it's just incredible you can't even begin to assess on every layer you have to be good but I've heard in other podcasts and I, I won't I won't name any names they're sort of calling out Matthew Stafford being he's terrible he's rubbish I think that's too harsh is is a fantastic quarterback yeah he's, he's brilliant and but but put him in a system that works for him obviously it's going to be a great quarterback do you know what I mean like Mahomes that system works for him and he has been incredible and we don't talk about him enough on this podcast incredible season so many touchdowns this year put him in the Giants offense what, would he be better I mean it, the system fits the quarterback and vice versa yeah there's a massive argument for that but then you have to remember the flip side is the the special quarterbacks uh, should be able to play in any scheme. They're that good. So yeah. what do you say to that? But so, I, I mean, I do think if Mahomes went to the Giants with those weapons, you know, those running backs, those things, because they have the ability to improvise and make plays on their own. But Stafford's arm, he just, you, you need the plan to go with it. He shouldn't have to be fighting in the fourth quarter for these comebacks. They should be out in front. They have the pieces. So where else is it? Is it the coaching? Is it the playbook? There's There's a lot more to it that, we need to do rather than just scratching at the surface okay well i hope you're enjoying the podcast so far um we've got two extra bits of news i want to talk about and one massive bit of news it's huge charlie you don't even know about this actually you probably do but it needs to be stated british born um player uh obi uh melantono going second round pick for the raiders that wrong pardon completely said his name wrong uh no it's like obi melaton it's mm. like with an F, there's no T. Oh, I've just looked at the note. Yeah, Melanfoe. I, I look, I'm sorry, I didn't know how to pronounce his name. I thought if I did it quick enough, I'd get past it. <laughs> he was a second round pick for the Raiders. He uh, is now been released by the Raiders uh, in that fire cell that they've got and he's been picked up by the Patriots. That, that's, um, that's massive for the Patriots. They seem to pick up little pieces of, of raw talent. Well, they do and they always seem to pick up pieces and make them work. You know, there's been a lot of sort of stick come Obi's way in a sense that he's a tremendous, tremendous athlete. He done wonders at the combine. And for all the, those that, you know, the combine is where the NFL players select um, the next players coming off the collegiate level in the draft. And it's sports and, day. It's sports yeah, day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a posh sports day. And uh, he done fantastic on the jumping, the running, the free cones. And so, it, and he went really high with the Raiders. He's a safety and it, and it's just not quite worked out for him, but one that I hope maybe in the Patriots that we know that Belichick's a fan of safety. Hopefully this could work. Mm. Uh, the, the, 
obviously that that day uh, where they're putting up amazing numbers, it's really just saying I'm an absolute athletic freak, but it doesn't necessarily translate. Just because you can jump so high, they think, well, that's brilliant. He can jump up, get the ball uh, during a match. They, oh, he's really fast. But it doesn't always translate, which I think is is fascinating. Why does it not work? I'd like to know the psychology of it and, and the science of it. But it just comes down to sometimes it doesn't work. Maybe it's the fit maybe for, for Obi that this will be an opportunity at the Patriots where it does work. Yeah, it's funny because there's been a couple of players that are very vocal about the draft, such as Richard Sherman and uh, Aaron Rodgers, who say, they always say, never worry about the draft to the players. Ignore it, don't worry. Yep, go and do it. But if you do terrible, it's all ridiculous. It should all be based on game tape. Yeah. And and there was a player, Orlando Brand, uh, he, he he's now at the Baltimore Ravens on the offensive line. I think he's a guard or a tackle. And uh, he was really slow 40 time. He was terrible on the bench press. And he was like predicted like a second or third round picks. And he, he, he went in the fifth or sixth. And uh, in the last couple of games, he's he's uh, gave up no sacks, no pressures to the quarterbacks, and everyone's raving about him. And this is another thing where the yeah. scouts were like, in his college games, brilliant. Yeah, he had a bad draft, but people go, oh, he's had a bad combine. But we're not signing. I don't want my old lineman to be rapid. I want him to be like protecting my quarterbacks. Yeah. So it, it is strange how much sort of emphasis we base on the combine tradition though isn't it it's tradition and and, and people don't like to to break that tradition it matters like certain things matter for different positions yeah you want your wide receiver to like have a great speed when he's bombing it down the line but in other stuff you know like we need him to jump but the bench press I suppose maybe for pushing off the corners but some things you you could over rely on I mean look at look at Tom Brady we say the potentially the greatest ever quarterback to play the game he went in the fifth round. Antonio Brown went in the fifth round. Very slow speed, Tom Brady's a quarterback, but that's not his game. He's yeah. never been one to rush. He's ne- he's not mobile. He's all about pocket throws. And we and we love it. And then obviously you have first round picks that are busts. So um, beautiful thing. Big news. You ready for it, Charlie? Oh, always. Big news. Here it is. Julio Jones gets his first touchdown. What? Exactly. Get out of here. Week nine. Hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> uh, it took him a long time, but he's finally the wide receiver that you'd expect we to get a touchdown. We love you, Julio. Um, has finally got a touchdown, which is absolutely incredible for him. And also, I'm going to throw into the mix, not as big a news, Pierre Garçon, a uh, Niners fan here. Uh, happy to see him get his first ever touchdown uh, for the Niners. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the news done. Still to come, we're going to be highlighting a few what, games. that's it for Julio. We built him up and we're just going to say, brilliant, oh, one what, touchdown, what, moving on. Um, I news think, done. okay, all right, the Falcons are, are, are they're absolutely dominating now they're back again I feel like this is the Falcons uh, at their best they go to the Browns I think they pick up another win I mean I don't know what else you want me to say Julio Jones no, will he get another say- touchdown I would, not in an argumentative way just like I, I think Julio Jones we know how good he is he's a fantastic fantasy player picks up lots of yards um, but doesn't get that touchdown finally gets a touchdown this could this could be it he just had a bit of a drought in the touchdowns and now yeah, I just think he just what a brilliant team player and you could tell the moment he scored that touchdown everyone celebrated with him. It was almost like a testimonial. Everyone was like <laughs> tapping him on the helmet, like, because he, he hasn't been selfish. He hasn't uh, thrown his helmet on the sidelines. I want more touchdown passes. Like he's the, um, he, he, he gets, he's the vision of a team player. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? He, he, it was all about the team. It wasn't about him scoring touchdowns. And it was just a great moment to see someone like that. Pure role model. But you see the team that is one, the team being a capital T for that team. He gets targets from, from Matt Ryan. Uh, and he gets receptions, but not getting touchdowns. And it's interesting when we see wide receivers who who get lots of yards, but never get touchdowns when they're in the end zone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost as if they take the wide receivers off. They don't want them to get knocked or injured in the end zone. And, and they don't get the touchdowns that they kind of deserve. Well, it's funny because it's like what you said. We 
we see it from a fantasy point of view. You may have Julio Jones in your team. You're like, no, no touchdowns. But it's like, that's, there's so much more to the game than that. And, he, and he's a fantastic player. And it's funny because up until this weekend, me and Julio actually had a lot in common. We'd both scored zero touchdowns this year in the NFL. But he hasn't had, <laughs> he has, he has not overtaken me. So oh, back, to, oh, back to feeling inadequate again. Uh, well, listen, uh, guys, listen. Um, we, we have a, a Twitter page. It's called Ice the Kicker Pod. Um, you can find us there. Uh, we're racking up more and more people coming to join us and get involved in our in our conversations. That's what we love to do, hear from you guys. So if you are enjoying the podcast, you've never given us a tweet, do that now. Uh, well, not necessarily now, obviously I want you to finish the podcast, but, but do send us a message. We put a Twitter poll up there, Charlie, about who... Four teams that are flying under the radar. They're not the big Rams. They're not the Chiefs at the moment, the Patriots. Uh, we had Redskins, Panthers, Texans, Bengals. And we asked everybody on our Twitter, who do you think is flying under the radar? Um, what, what would you have said out of those four teams? Uh, this is before the results. Yeah, I'll be honest. I probably would have said the Bengals. Okay. Uh, they were like my sleeper playoff pick at the start of the season I like the pieces they added this year I felt they shored up that offensive line I love they've got a running game in Mixon they've got the AJ Green the Boyd seems to have come to life so I, and uh, I, I like them as a thing but I must admit those four teams I want to shout about them all they're really dangerous in their divisions as well and uh, some had great weekends some not so much um, once we put the poll out but yeah I, I would have voted Bengals Okay, well, uh, the Panthers won with 34%, and, and I, I, I voted for them. Not to be like, oh, I, I won, but you take your... your Victories w- when you can. Exactly. Um, but obviously, seeing them at the Eagles, they looked, they came back. I think that really just set them apart. Then McCaffrey absolutely dominating this weekend um, against the Bucks Looked really, really good, like we saw him in college. And then the previous week, beating the Ravens. I thought, they're just on a roll at the moment. And, and look out, if you've sort of written them off, um, you're an idiot. You're a fool because they look they look strong and dominant again. They look dangerous. This is sort of the year when when they reached the Super Bowl and they were blowing teams out. I think they were 15 and one that year. Uh, someone will prove me wrong, but um, it seems to be kind of like that. I know they've lost two, but the way they're blowing teams out, Cam looks back to his M- MVP form. He, he looks like he's antagonizing opposition. He looks cheeky. He looks a smile on his face. I love his handoff. You like, where is the ball? Does Cam have it? Does not, do, is, he, is he giving it? To, and then he just runs and scores touchdowns. It's it, fantastic. To oh, watch. it's brilliant. And I think we have to put that credit on North Turner's, the offensive coordinator, because he's just been fantastic. And I, d- I don't keep want to mention him fantasy, but Cam didn't have a great fantasy game this week. But to me, that is a bigger comp- Compliment to the Panthers because sometimes it could have been said of the Panthers when Cam goes missing, the offense goes missing, which is only fair because the quarterback is arguably the biggest piece. But he, it was Curtis Samuel, it's Christian McCaffrey, it's Greg Olson, the tight end, and now. Let's not put the pressure on Cam. He hasn't got to carry us on his back because we've got these other pieces. And I'm telling you, even on defense as well, that. Um, uh, Luke Keekley, the linebacker, and they've got Eric Reed at safety. Looks like he hasn't spent no time away. They just like I'm. I'm telling you, watch out for the Panthers. Don't don't sleep on them at all. In a tough, tough division with the Falcons, as you said, and the Saints being strong. But uh, hey, I would never. They're a team that are, are very good at home as well. You wouldn't want to play play them at Carolina. No, well, obviously looking at that NFC South, uh, Carolina won three on the bounce, New Orleans, let's not even talk about them, they're so good at the moment. Uh, Falcons won three on the bounce. Uh, so so it's, it's a tough decision. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, are the, the almost their team. They're just almost there. But anyway, uh, lots still to discuss on this podcast. Uh, we will have our PUP boom or bust on the way. Uh, one other thing, 
it's the time for the quiz. Are you ready? Now, Ooh. last week was bad. Uh, I've written it down, so I'm ready. Are so you don't ready? get it wrong, mate, because you're only reading. I'm trying my hardest. Okay, so here we go. Matt Ryan got his 50th career game with at least five, uh, 300 passing yards. Already slips up. Just a slight slip. So that is 50th career game with at least 300 passing yards. Who is the number one quarterback? Um, there's only quarterbacks with they they've got at least 50 games of 300 plus in their first 11 seasons, and he has 57 career games where he has got 300 plus passing yards. It's one other quarterback. Matt Ryan joined that list with the 50th career game. Drew Brees. Interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned to the end of the podcast for the answer. I've taken um, Charlie. Can I know if that's right or wrong? Because then I no need to know if I think of another one. It will come at the end of the show. So. This, this, this segment is it's on its last leg, as I tell you. <laughs> Feel nice. All right, fine. You've got it in one. All right? Yes! <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He's so happy with that. Um, <laughs> but that is incredible. 57 career games where you got over 300 passing yards. That's un- uh, amazing. Drew Brees is absolutely dominating this year. Um, let's start by talking about three games that we really picked up on uh, that we, we liked for various reasons. For me, I can't not talk about it. The Thursday night game, the Raiders versus the 49ers. I, I didn't think the, Ra- uh, the, the 49ers were going to win. But then all of a sudden, CJ Bethards gets taken out. Uh, Nick Mullins... Step up to the plate. Third quarterback. Wasn't even going to be in the team, potentially, uh, at the start of the season. They, they dropped him off the squad. Goes out about and dominates 34-3. to three. Who are the Raiders? Where are the Raiders? Um, please make some noise, because they are out of the NFL at the moment, in my humble opinion. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And just to go back to Nick Mullins, I mean, I don't want to get too soppy and emotional and deep at this minute and bring the whole pod down. But... Um, you can if you want. <laughs> it's kind of these stories that that mean, oh, this is really deep, but mean more to me in the NFL than than like following your own team. For me, this is what the NFL is about. A guy that's gone undrafted, uh, he gets released twice, but they keep him on the practice squad. Um, he starts, you know, he's the third string quarterback. Garoppolo goes down, which you, hopefully you hope never happens. You just, you've give him a big payday. He goes down. Your second quarterback goes down. So like the chances of this happening are so slim. Up steps Nick Mullin, the best debut since 1970, 151.9 or whatever it was, passer rating. Uh, and he just, it just looked like he'd been playing for years. He just yeah. looked like a composed veteran. And I, I saw it and I just thought, this for me, how much he wanted it, how much it means to him, how much everyone got behind him. Halfway through the game, Twitter verifies him, which is, is not like, <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, he has 3,000 followers at the end of the game. He has like 50,000. I mean, it's just crazy. I saw him getting emotional and what it means to him. And I think, this is what we say when we do talk about contracts and money. And believe you me, I, I I want everyone to get paid. I want like go earn what you can. But we go back to that kid element when you're in school, when it's like jumpers for goalposts, and you you just all you want to do is play ball. And yeah. and, and I just loved it. He and, typifies that, of course. And why wouldn't you root for him? You can't not root for someone like that. And it, and I just, I just for me and and you're a Forty Niners fan. I want to hear your thoughts on this, but. He has to start the rest of the year. Oh, 100%. It's really interesting because you said, didn't they um, release him? And I was like, yeah, but I've, I've seen Nick Mullins there or thereabouts for the 49ers for, for the last two, this mm. season and last season. Um, but my take on it was CJ Beathard has played. He's had snaps in the NFL. You go with reliability um, and no one expected Garoppolo to go out injured. So CJ Beathard steps up. Nick Mullins gets more snaps in, in practice. 
but I mean, different type of quarterback. CJ Beathard, he's like a he's like a rhino. He just runs into things. He's so close all the time. He's almost Big Ben-esque, isn't he? Is he like, he's, he's built, massive, like, yeah. can take hits. Like, But you don't want him to take hits because yeah. he will get injured. He gets injured and you're like, oh, right, Nick Mullins. Well, he did have a good preseason, but that's preseason and it's mm. against like the third or fourth safety or whatever of a team that you're 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 throwing against but he looked assured he looked confident he just threw the ball on his first play you're like this is a quarterback which i like and and it lifted the whole team the defense was rocking um unfortunately Mostar uh got injured he broke his arm but he was looking good as a running back brader as well it just re- just the whole team elevated i was watching it in bed uh annoying my girlfriend because she was like what are you watching i'm like i'm watching the niners win like, yeah. i was so excited again and that's all it takes it just takes one player that that just lifts the whole spark team spark you and fandom into yeah. life yeah. yeah and 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 we've got the giants next game and i think there could be an opportunity to to beat the giants because the confidence that the, the 49ers is, is i love it i've had to give you positive monologues you didn't <laughs> want to hear about the niners you were so down in the dumps you was planning for next year and now you already think you can beat the giants what one win does it's incredible but this is what scares me now is just we all of a sudden go oh nick mullins like let's pick him up in fantasy and we hype him up let's not forget they were playing the raiders and it all of a sudden falls on his shoulders but because I actually like CJ Bifford. I think he's more than capable as well. But my worry is that, not a worry, it's just, it was so good to see. You you could, as a player, think, oh, like, we're playing tonight, our first dream quarterback. Like, it yeah. doesn't install confidence in you. But all the guys, they looked around to Nick. And before it started, they was like, they even felt like, yeah. before us, the fans knew what was coming. And what, what it done to me, because I saw his post-game speech when, um, he, they was all jumping on him and he had a lights out pre-season. I went back and saw and the first thing he said is he went, I told you in pre-season, these wins mean nothing. I'm showing off in pre-season but now we're doing it for real and, and mm. the players obviously knew that and saw that in pre-season and it's, it's very interesting but it's just how that can happen in the NFL, like why I say there's so many different layers to it. He said every week, even when he was the third string Tom, he he prepared like he was a starter. He goes in the film room, they watch all the tape, he plans all the defences, all the looks that he's going to see, and he prepares. You would never get that anywhere else, like preparing like the starter. Now it's next man up, and I love that. You never see what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, you've inspired me more so, but but that's what it's about. You want a hungry player playing on your team, and and, and you mentioned him earlier, Eric Reed, who had a, a, the Niners... Um, a, he got pushed aside, um, but now is doing an amazing job at the, the Panthers because he he wants it, and you can see on that team they're hungry. Uh, hungry well, the talent to- will always rise to the top, regardless of off field and whatever going on. You can't keep good players at the league. You should want all the good players in the league. Hungry teams talk about those Falcons to me. Uh, went to the Redskins uh, and got a result. Um, they don't often play well away from home, but uh, dominant. Tavon Coleman looks like he's hungry for it. Julio Jones, you just mentioned them. They look like they're they're bounced back again now. That's that's the idea entirely because only three games ago, the Falcons are one and four. I see Falcons Twitter season over. Oh, what's happened this year? And to be fair to them, they had horrific injuries. Loads went down and they looked really um, weak uh, in the secondary. And we just thought, oh, is this going to be what's to come? And you know what? They've just trucked on and that's Dan Quinn all over, you know, all like in the brotherhood. We're all together. We're fighting for each other. Each game as it comes, now they're riding a three-game winning streak, back to four and four, in with a great chance. And that's just what I love. Like, all right, now all of a sudden we feel good. And they're beating good teams because the Redskins, Redskins was another team in that poll. Yeah. They was five and two. Falcons, 
obliterated them. I know. Close. It, it, well, I, I, I had always every week put an accumulator on and, and I'd, I'd listened to, to lots of advice that the Redskins were, were going to dominate. But I, then I look back at that the Cowboys game and they couldn't get the offense going. And if you need to take on the Falcons, you need to get that offense uh, going because they're strong offensively, but weak defensively. So you, you have know to... you're going to be in a shootout. Yeah. And, and they just didn't deliver on that. And I worry about those Redskins looking pretty at, at, the, at the top of their division, uh, NFC East, five wins, uh, three losses. But points-wise, you look at that as a division. They've only scored 160 sort of point uh, uh, scores for, for them. And you've got like Philly Eagles, 175. I just think offensively, the Eagles are a better team and probably by the end of it, we'll finish top of the well, NFC Well, this East. is a big problem. We spoke about the Redskins last week. You should shout them out, give them some love because actually they have been brilliant on, on defense. That was a one-off. But I just said my only problem with the Redskins is when you're in full control, three teams around you aren't doing great. The Cowboys, Giants and Eagles don't slip up. Now the Redskins have lost. The Eagles coming off a bye week. They've had a golden take. Won't surprise me. The Eagles, late second half, go on to win the division. Okay. Um, well, listen, there's one other game that we have to talk about, uh, not contractually, just because it was so You keep blimmin- saying that today. I know, but I like it. It's my phrase for the day. Right. Um, I just absolutely blimmin' love this game. It it was so good watching it on a red zone because I don't have Sky, so I couldn't watch it. I've got my game pass, but it was just back and forth. The, the end zone, uh, red zone was practically watching uh, the Rams-Saints game. 35 for the Rams, 45 for the Saints. Saints just magnificent just offensively drew Brees, what a guy what a mm. dude i almost want to go i just want to hang out with those guys they are the coolest dudes and michael thomas turns up uh, again uh, amazing i've got a stat on on this man you've got um beckham uh, landry have got 288 catches in their first three seasons uh, so they're tied for the franchise the records but uh, but thomas at the saints has 266 with eight games left to play so he will he will become the the, the most successful wide game He's fantastic. And Drew Brees has got so many weapons. Interesting enough, we haven't mentioned it in the news. Des Bryant apparently is is um, going there to train uh, because they've lost Ted Ginn. Um, he's gone for a workout. He's got, he hasn't got a gym pass anymore, so he's gone there uh, to use their facilities. But that I think that would be good. You've only got Thomas and uh, Traquan Smith. Um, you've got Watson, Kamara's weapons. But to add Des Bryant there, they, they would be lights out. But as long as... I, I feel like there would be as long as Des Bryant isn't the distraction that they call him. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I, I disagree. Um, I think thoughts on that then. My thoughts are that I think the Cowboys have a terrible front office and have done bad in free agency in the draft and managing their cap for years. And the only uh, pro they made was cutting Des Bryant. This isn't a slant on Des Bryant or a dig. It's just okay. This is I interesting. Think the I money like that thing. he was desert, the money that he wanted to be paid or was being paid. They wasn't getting a production out of it. And you can only pay what production you're getting. I think it's sad to say he, he was one of the best when he was uh, flying in, in his prime. But it just happens. Father time, he's lost a step. He wasn't winning those 50-50 balls. He said he was being double teamed. But why isn't he being picked up? Like I said, I, I believe the talent should overall. And for all what distraction he was, he, if he was that good, someone would have signed him because you can get past that. And I just think with all those weapons, I can't see them spreading the ball to Des Bryant. I, re- I really, I can't see it. Would but you, I would never put it past Sean Payton, who's a genius and a, an offensive mind. But You've got Ingram, you've got Kamara, the running backs. Kamara doubles up as a wide receiver as well. And then you've got uh, Tricon Smith, as I mentioned, and Thomas. Uh, and you've got Watson, their tight end. They've got weapons there. But if you put Des Bryant on that field as well, as a defensive 
formality. Even if you know he's not going to get the ball, you still have to you still have oh, to of mark. It, it, so, yeah. I, so I feel like he, he would add. He but would then any player, them. any other wide receiver you add in, some, you're going to have to mark him because no, so. I know. But but with Des Bryant, I think it's a psychological. You have to then second guess what are they going to do. I I think depending on if they can get a good deal for him, I think that would be worth the Saints doing just so they got weapons. They are actually uh, trying out uh, Brandon Marshall as well, but he hasn't really shown that production at all. He's been at yeah. teams like the Jets and uh, and uh, previously and, and the Seahawks, but hasn't quite managed it. But you're saying it wouldn't be, you wouldn't take Des Bryant. I wouldn't take Des Bryant, no, but I, hearing your points and understand you would have to mark him and it's just someone else to think about from a defensive game planning standpoint I completely agree but I just think what his role he would want to be he sees himself still as a number one and he mm. doesn't want to be a number two behind Thomas and number three I can't see Des Bryant being happy being number one and number two he doesn't want to share that role but I think it's interesting because all the players we do talk about in the Saints we should be singing from the rooftops for Taysom Hill how they use him the, oh, the second yeah. quarterback. It's incredible. I mean, this man might genuinely be my favorite NFL player. He does it all. He helps out on special teams. He's tackling. He's he's a running back. He throws. He, he, he then he's a normal quarterback. He threw the sixty-yard bomb to Thomas. This is about. We're seeing it with Flacco and Jackson. And I know you want to talk about that. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But if you want to see how two quarterbacks are being used. This is unreal to watch. And su- Sunday night's game for me is it we we're trying to appeal to the old and the new. If you get an into the NFL, this is the standout game you want to watch. As a yeah. neutral, I mean, I, I watched all three Sky games, and obviously I stayed up for the Green Bay game. I was like, oh, should I have a little snooze? Should I have a little nap? And then it started the first quarter, and I was like, there's absolutely you can't you can't no nap. chance of happening. And this game is incredible. Taysom Hill's coming on. They go for it on fourth down. It looks like he's going to throw. He runs it. He makes it himself. And I'm like, this is incredible. Not only that. They have Teddy Bridgewater on the bench. They've got three good quarterbacks, and Teddy Bridgewater's not even getting involved yet. I mean, what Sean Payton's doing is like to face it against Drew Brees is hard enough as it is. And when you've yeah. got three quarterbacks, it's kind of unfair. Yeah. So you're, if you're Hill, you go look. Can you compliment? Can you can mm. you um, support? And he goes, Yeah, I can. And he does an amazing job. I don't think it's working at the Ravens yet with Jackson and Flacco. There's too much uncertainty whether Jackson is going to take Flacco's job. Therefore, it doesn't work. But Hill's like, no, no, I'm here. I want to be a winning part of a I'm winning team. I'm just a team. contribution, yeah. And, and, and 53-man squad. Definitely a team player. Uh, what do you make of the Rams then? Could this be the start of their uh, slight demise? Would that be, maybe that's too strong a word, but they, they lost their first game. Uh, they were the only unbeaten team. And now, now they've lost. Could they suddenly see a bit of a slump? They're at home to the Seahawks this week. And the Seahawks aren't an easy team to play. So maybe, the, the, will they get back to winning ways is, is, is the question. Because... They could actually become two more wins. The first, uh, the quickest team to clinch the playoffs since 2002 when, when that format was introduced. So if they get two more wins, the fastest team to make it to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, no, I, and I believe they will. I think they have far too much talent. Uh, I just think that they're playing at a level lower than how they're being spoke about, if that makes sense. People that going yeah. undefeated. Wow, they're incredible. But I think there was a few things where a couple of flaws, a couple of weaknesses, and I'm not saying they're a bad team. I rave about the Rams. I rave about Sean McVay. And I, they're a certainty for postseason, if not making the Super Bowl. But, and I don't say this because I'm a Green Bay fan, they should have lost last week. Now there's a lot more on tape. Now they've lost to the Saints. And Marcus Peters, who has come out and owned it. He did actually, which is fair play. He's... He's had a really poor few weeks. And if you noticed, Rodgers kept targeting Peters. And he was like, wow, Rodgers is going at Peters. And Devante Adams Ruthless. was getting it. Yeah, it was. Because he, he was just, he's targeting one man. And 
Goff tried to do it with Jair Alexander. We know how that ended up. Locked up. Didn't work. Next time. And that, we were seeing that um, Drew Brees kept targeting Marcus Peters over Thomas. And Thomas just was having a field day. So when you see that and then you notice a couple of things that aren't working or are working, we talk about it. Film room. There's a blueprint to beat a team. I know they, they didn't win last week, but it's kind of funny that that happened. And in the shootout, New Orleans Saints stayed the course. Yeah, they did. And defensively, they, they, were, they were great. I know they let 35 points, but that, that Rams offense is, is dynamite. You, you've got to try and stop Todd mm. Gurley. If you can do that, you've got a chance because then you're, you're forcing Goff to make throws that he doesn't necessarily want to. McVeigh's done an amazing job of making Jared Goff seem like the complete quarterback, but he's got weapons, do you know what I mean, around him. And, and push him to the limit, make him throw the ball, that's when you've got a chance to win the game. Oh, massively. And it was the first game... Uh, from week nine onwards in NFL history, where both teams were recording 33 points on average per game, the Saints and the Rams. So we knew it was in. But what worries me is, for all what we talk about the Rams' offense, and that's got the plaudits, it's one of them games in those first eight games. The defense has not been incredible. And they, they, they have lost to lead to injury, but they're, they're not great at stopping the run. But they have seven former first-rounders on defence. Yeah. That's incredible. Seven first round picks on defence. That's mad. Um, and Donald has 10 sacks and he gets double teamed nearly on every play. Uh, watching Aaron Donald to me is just, I don't know how he does it. It is He's a incredible. He's a not beast. the biggest guy though, is he? No, no. And that's what I mean. But the strength, he has two big guys and we're saying he's not the biggest. Mark him, take him out of the game and he still gets to the quarterback. I mean, if we put that into relation, so Donald has 10 sacks. He gets double teamed on 70% of his plays. J.J. Watt, a big guy who yeah. I also love, has eight sacks and he only gets double teamed 44% and he's only got eight. That's nearly double for Donald being du- um, uh, like two-man marks. It's, it's the, incredible. The, the, the engine on, on Donald is probably why he can sustain that because he knows for those 30%, that he is not going to be double teamed, that's when he's going to get that sack. Uh, it'd be interesting to break that stat down and see mm. if he was double teamed, did he get the sack or did he get those 10 sacks from that 30% where he was only... But if it was, at that, like you said, that 30% small margin, yeah. he, that's a small pull to get oh, of 10 course. sacks. Incredible. I think the Rams also have to kind of stay on the field for a lot longer because they don't have those backups. There's something interesting that they stay on the for the, the most amount of snaps. And as the season continues, they're going to fatigue. It's, it's how fresh you can keep your squad of players um we normally it because it's as we say in the nfl it's a physical game we know yeah. that it's you're going to get injuries so next man up how well can you utilize all of the players on your squad well they might be able to very well if like you said they reach the playoffs maybe they can start resting uh players but we we could talk about this i mean talk about this game forever i mean we haven't even spoke Gurley. i think he's he's got a franchise record 12 consecutive touchdowns 12 games running that's just I mean, I'm, I mean, remember that season is... we went to watch the the Jags? I, I do have to say this now. We have got an Instagram and I'm going to start putting up some pictures of Charlie and I. We went down and, and watched some training. This is a few years back. Uh, incredible experience for both of us. But Todd Gurley was having a terrible season that year. That was Jeff Fisher. Fisher, they, yeah. They couldn't get him to... He had a lights out first uh, rookie season. And then his sophomore year was just like, sorry, who? Uh, but he, he's come back. He is such a threat and such a weapon he, he deserves the applause yeah it was when he had a post-game rant after a game that Fisher was still in charge and he said yeah I really enjoy playing here it's like playing with a middle school offense <laughs> so it just shows you it just shows you like you said the scheme and stuff Sean McVeigh but 
Um, talking of Jeff Fisher, a uh, head coach that lost his job, um, I'd like to talk about this, Charlie. It, it, it is the time in the season um, that uh, head coaches are talking about Garrett at the Cowboys. They lost last night to the Titans. Uh, I'm spitting feathers. I lost money on the accumulator, and all I needed was the Cowboys to win. Garrett is on his way out. I'd be glad to see that. Uh, Harbour at the Ravens, uh, they're talking about him sort of leaving also on the hot seat, Mick McCarthy, uh, Mike McCarthy, uh, not Mick McCarthy, uh, Mike McCarthy at Green Bay. And I also want to talk about um, Vance Joseph and, and the Browns, who's going to come in. So where do we start with that? Fair to say all of those guys on the hot seat? All, all of those guys, I agree with you. Yeah, Vance, Vance, Vance Joseph at the Broncos. Yeah, it's, it's tough because, um, you know, we, we, we never know who's really on the hot seat. We as fans can talk about, oh, they're on the hot seat, but maybe there might be teams, like we said earlier in the pod, behind closed doors, teams are a lot co- closer. And word kind of broke out before the Raven-Steelers games that Harbaugh is is on the hot seat. And it was kind of like a stipulation in his contract this year that they had to reach the playoffs. And now they're on this three-game losing streak. They've in, gone into the bye. They're in a losing... Um, they've gone into the bye with a losing record. So... They've lost another divisional game and he's not, his contract isn't being renewed. He's not been renewed yet when he's only got one year to go and they don't like coaches to go into their final year with, uh, with no security. So there's lots to be said of that. And, 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 and it, it, yeah, sorry, on. sorry, Charlie, as, as an organization that they, they never knee jerk that they're, they're known the Ravens as being that a solid, uh, communicate that communication is key to them because yeah. they've only had three head coaches in 22 years. So, so when you look at that stat, uh, they will be shoring up, Harbour, whether they're telling him it's not next year, you won't be coming back, or I don't think they'll fire him mid-season is, is the point I'm making. They're not a, an organisation to just get rid of someone because it's not working out. They, they put, they put yeah. faith in their team. And I think it got me got me thinking that when you, we've seen Lamar Jackson come in, when you're not, a team's not doing great, you sort of, okay, where can, where can I sort of be taking bullets here? Where can people criticise me? And they've got the greatest one on the bench. They could say, we've got a quarterback here who's not doing nothing. Start the kid you drafted in the first round. Why haven't you fired the offensive call day? What's going on there? So you're almost like you can take criticism here. And it got me really thinking, there's a question I want to ask you. Coaches are always on the hot seat. Anyone in sports, when you don't perform, you're on the hot seat. You're, you're, you're on the hot seat as a player. If you're, if you're a striker and you're not scoring goals, cornerback, you're not making interceptions, you're on the hot seat. We watch game tape. We can see where you're going wrong. So people have to deal with this. This, this, this is... Life is, um, comes part and parcel of it. But it got me thinking that in today's day and age, what Elsa Coach has to deal with is the fans, the social media, mm. calling for people's head. And what I wanted to ask you, Tom, is I'm sure they don't listen to it, but sometimes the people that have a voice, and I'm kind of shooting us down with this because we've given ourselves a voice, we're giving our NFL opinion, but we can create a rumour mm. and give much more life to it than anything. Now, we're talking about Harbour on the hot seat. This is a one pod talking about it. if every other pod does that, it's like, oh, Harbour really builds, is on the hot it seat. Builds, doesn't it? Yeah. So how much that seat's gone from lukewarm to, oh, it's, it's boiling. So it's a big problem. How much is social media playing that? Journalists, oh, we see this article, you're on the hot seat. Pe- fans are calling for you to go. There was a Twitter poll and 95% Harbour wanted you out. He has to then answer that question 20, 30 years ago. They might not have had to answer these questions. And how much now of a factor does this play in because everyone including me and i'm not i'm not saying it i'm sure you do we all think we can manage the game better what why aren't you running the ball there why yeah. are you running that ball on that play and it's that same old thing we said last week if these plays come off no one's talking about it yeah we only ever want to highlight the bad 
Yeah, I, I think you've, you've, you've pretty much, within that question, have answered it. Sorry. It, it, no, 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 but no, I think that's, that's true. Like, anyone listening right now will know that. It's when you start to think about the pressure they have to deal with. Uh, Harbour will be trying, he doesn't care. Like, apparently, he went into the, to the locker room and said to those players, uh, we've just lost three on the bounce. What do we need to do? And, and I think fans could have been like, get rid of you and Flacco. And Ch-. But the, the players, like, we need, we need to win three in a row. We've lost three. Now we need to win three in a row. Um, it, it, there's lots of things we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and I think that's what escalates the outside chat uh, to, be, to be people talking about well if we made these changes um, do I think that we should have more access no I actually I, I like it otherwise there's nothing really to speculate and talk about if Harbour said yeah my job's on the line and uh, I know that and so that's why we need to win then the players job everyone's accountable in, in that respect uh, I, I think the, the age of social media is it's, it's everything is now I want it now. I want it now. Why are we losing? Let's change it now. Um, you don't stick with a coach for too long. And I think that that's a shame because they drafted a player. Harbour might have a plan for Jackson to be like, I want him to learn this, put him in next year. He he, fire, he's, he fires on all cylinders. But but now it's not working. Uh, I, I think it'd be interesting. I, I think maybe it's time for a change there. But who am I to say? I think you're completely right. And it's funny because we spoke in depth on this pod that when you do draft a quarterback, but you have a veteran who's still playing to a certain level and who's has won a Super Bowl, as Flacco has, do you sit the quarterback? And I said to you, I think you should sit the quarterback, let them learn off the veteran, learn about the film room and the tape and just the rigorous amounts the NFL needs. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I stick with that. I believe that. But if you as I think the Ravens won't make the playoffs this year. I think the offense has been stale for many years. Flacco has been not great for a few Mm. seasons now. I would play Lamar Jackson here on out. You, well, you should definitely do it after. Because now that's, he's had those games. Sorry, Tom. He's had those, he's had those practice times. Play him out. Now he can get the experience before the second seri- season really matters. And he's not learning on, on the job. He's yeah. got eight games now to learn on the well, job. Well, look at the Jets with Darnold. Uh, he, he's there. And, and he even said himself, he's not playing where he needs to be. He needs more snaps. He needs to be out there learning his trade. Um, but I mean, Baltimore have played nine games. I think you've got a good sample size to see where Flacco's going, where this offense is going. So yeah, may as well the last if you're not going to make it. But the problem is for them, they're still four and five above them. We've got the Bengals at five and three. Pittsburgh's five and two plus that tie. Oh, that beautiful tie uh, in the AFC North. They have to. They're still in with the chance. So I feel like they're gonna continue with what they've got going until they realise it's it's out of their chance. Uh, their their grasp mathematically. Yeah, so, definitely. So, um, but interesting enough, Browns looking for a coach. Lincoln Riley, uh, Bruce Arians, Josh McDaniels. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens there, who they go for. I don't think that Josh McDaniels will be prized away from the Patriots, even though uh, I've been reading the War Room book about Belichick and him. He was at the Browns and and he the Patriots. There is a link up between the Browns and the Patriots, um, unwritten, I guess. So it, it could happen. He's the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. It's funny because actually, I'm just quickly just going to disagree there just because John Dorsey's the GM of the Browns, mm. and he's very good friends with Chris Ballard, who is the GM of the Colts. And we all know what happened there last year. McDaniels took the job. He meant to turn up on the day he'd already hired his offensive coach, defensive coach. He says he doesn't want the job anymore, keeps his job with the Patriots. So Ballard, the Colts GM, said, right, it's the rivalry's back on with the Patriots. Yeah. Josh McDaniels' agent says, you've embarrassed me, you've took this job. He fires him, <laughs> and they have the same agent, is John Dorsey, who's the Browns GM, and they're very good friends, Bob Lamont. So 
I can't see McDaniels getting this job. Uh, very interesting backstory there. We talk about Bruce Arians. He was saying for Chuck Pagano to get it. Lots of names in the mix. Even Mike McCarthy apparently is on the shortlist because of all the Green Bay people who now work in Cleveland. So we could have a coach on the hot seat going to a coach that's availability that's free. So Well, that would be good because then he, at least he can take all his stuff, put it in a box, and he doesn't have to put it into storage for too long. It just goes in the vehicle to take it Straight to the next. There. Thank you. Um, listen, uh, I've already enjoyed this podcast this week. I hope you have it too. We are coming to the end in a way, but there's a few features that we need Ooh, to get through. Two-minute warning? I'm going to call it the two-minute warning. Um, we are really going for it. P-U-P. The physically unable to perform uh, this week, Charlie. I don't know what you think about this. The Chargers-Seahawks game. Seahawks at times threw it away. Love the fact that Gordon's back. Looking very good for Philip Rivers. Um, 200 consecutive starts now for Philip Rivers. Doing the business. However, their kicker is Nat, uh, Mr. Sturgis. And he has been shown the door. Uh, two extra points he missed. That's as close as it gets, mate. And a Mr. Phil goal. Uh, terrible scenes from the kicker. I know it's harsh. But Sturgis is my PUP this week, the kicker, um, and he has been shown the door. And uh, next man up for their kicker, um, Badgley's coming. Uh, I, do you know what? I couldn't agree more. Just because I'm not just going to put it all at Sturgis' door, but the Chargers, they've just had seven different kickers since 2016. That is the most in NFL. And it's just, <laughs> it's, they just can't get that right. Like you said, it can't get any easier than extra points. And I don't know why. And they've had good people there, like Josh Lambeau's now doing well at the Jags. I just can't see why they can't get this right but if we're talking about the Chargers they look very special because they've got great running backs Gordon and Eckler who can also um pass it as well they can they can be passed off as receivers then they've got Keenan Keenan Allen doing those sort of like the dirty yards the slots and then they've got big vertical deep threats in Williams and and Rivers can just sling it and I just I love them on defense as well and I really like the Chargers in the AFC I think are they on a five game five game winning streak uh, yes they are um if you look at them they're in the AFC West and uh the Chargers 6 and 2 won 5 on the bounce and um they're really doing it they're just behind the Kansas City Chiefs 8 and 1 I don't think they'll catch them but they'll definitely make the wild card uh, in that situation um I, I couldn't agree more with you they do look very strong Joey Bosa's not even on that field exactly so so when he comes back he'll shore them up uh, other kicker that needs a mention McManus uh, at the Broncos missing that field got a bit harsh because the, the, the offense could have got him closer to it um I was also putting up for it at Jones that fumble in Green Bay and that fourth quarter uh just killed me killed my heart I, w- I wanted the, the the Packers not just because mm. I work with you and you're a Green Bay fan I wanted uh th- them to beat the Patriots so badly but Jones getting that fumble um unfortunate but it, it, it did kill their momentum uh, a little bit but anyway I it Sturgis the PUP this week so Charlie boom or bust um last week um it was all to do in terms of our boom or bust I said the Chargers would lose on the road uh that's depending on whether Bosa and Gordon no still you're not out. getting out of it on a technicality Mate, I said it I'm not going to play you the, the, I oh. said I said as you long said as the Chargers would, would lose, lose on the road and they won and they won so, but that was because Gordon was out. He did come back. I'm not going to take it, but I'm just, however, just saying. What I did say, though, was, and this is, you know, I did say the Saints would win against the Rams, and they did. Uh, so this week, Charlie, or oh, what were your boom or bust last week? Uh... My boom or bust for this week uh, is, I say, boom, Peterman at the Bills. He gets his first TD for the Bills. They haven't got one for a while. And uh, they score over 10 points. I mean, it's not a massive boom, that. Uh, but it... Wow. Don't go over. <laughs> You're giving the Bills over 10 points. <sighs> Mate, come on. They have not got over, over the 10 points for quite a while. 
Uh, all right, all right, fine. I'll, I'll add it more. Peterman, two touchdowns. How about that? You like that? Yeah, you that like is them? crazy. Okay, and the Cowboys, uh, they've had those losses in a row, and it's hard to say that they will do anything because they annoyed me this week with my prediction. They've lost two in a row. Um, I say they lost. Uh, they lose three in a row. They're going to lose to the Eagles. And you know what? Golden Tate, he's going to get a touchdown. I'm even throwing extras in there for you. Uh, what's your boom or bust uh, this week? Because really, I, I know you got both of yours wrong last week. I did, yeah. I said the Broncos would beat the Texans and they didn't. Shout out to the Texans as well. I think it's a five-game win- winning streak after starting 0-3. So loving that. Go to Texans UK as well. Uh, I also said the Cowboys would win coming off that bye week and they lost to the Titans who were also coming off a bye week. So... I'm going to stick with the Titans, you know, and I'll probably get a ring. But I'm going to say that my bust is the Pats lose to a former player, new head coach Mike Vrabel at the Titans, and the Titans beat the Patriots. No. Yes, my bust. Go Titans. Tighten up. And uh, my boom is that Rodgers is going to throw, not total yards, just throwing alone for 450 yards against the Dolphins. Wow. Just All right. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I was actually burping as well, but I was also taking on board what you just said, and that is beautiful. Boom! Um, injuries enough, you, big shout out to those Texans. Uh, they, they'd lost three on the bounce, and now they've gone on to win six in a row in the AFC South. Good what, job, Vance Joseph, you're dumb. What, what a division that is. And that actually leads me on because the final word for this week, um, I want to talk about the Jags versus the Colts. For me, not necessarily going to be the prettiest game, but what an important game for the AFC South that is. Huge in that division. They've both won three. They've both lost five. However, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're tied at the moment with 134 scored with the Titans in, in that division. That's how much they've, they've output, as I, I like to put it. Colts are firing on all cylinders. Uh, Luck looks good. It is, it, Hines is looking good. They're running back. I think that is going to be a juicy, juicy game. I wouldn't like to call it, um, but wow, what a game. Yeah, uh, me, my, my two games I'm looking uh, forward to, just quickly, actually, is the Giants and 49ers battle for the sort of high draft pick and can the 49ers <laughs> live up for it? So, but you know what? It's, it's two, two games two... on the line that means means a lot because they're, they're on equal footing. And similarly, I want to see how the Rams bank bounce back in a divisional game against the Seahawks, had a Seahawks bounce back against a loss. And if we're not, uh, if, I, if I can remember rightly, a few weeks ago, the Seahawks nearly gave the Rams their first defeat. So that should be a good game. Oh, it's going to be a beautiful game. Uh, all I was going to say there, Charlie, it's interesting. It just comes to my attention. Giants 49ers, both going for that high pick, it would appear. And that is exactly the same as last year. Those are two teams that... It, obviously haven't improved whereas those bears talk to me about those bears uh currently nfc north uh five wins three losses two on the bounce um those bears uh taking on at home the lions and i think they're gonna go six and three i think the bears the yeah bears definitely gonna... that defense well actually i'm no let's let's go further that offense as well they they're, they're doing enough aren't they yeah they look good on all, all phases and uh watch out for them and like you said with, with the lions and g uh, Green Bay losing and, and the Vikings they did pick up a win but they've started a bit like we said with the Redskins in NFC is take control of that division now yeah um, well listen Charlie uh, it's an absolute pleasure every single As Tuesday always, 10 th- pods that th- th- we are, we're actually fist bumping you can't see that um, but yes uh, do check out our, our Twitter and our Instagram uh, get involved um, there's so much we couldn't talk about that, that not that, that basically just because there just isn't enough time we could talk forever we know you're massive fans as well so why don't start and continue that conversation on our Twitter send us a comment or a message get involved it's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us we'll catch you in seven days time take it easy bye